Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode number one of the Steve Kenyon podcast. I'm Steve Kenyon. Thank you for giving us a listen. Thank you for all of your thoughts and your supportive comments over the last few weeks as we get ready to embark on a lot of new endeavors. Uh, we've got a new website, 8secondsmedia.com. We've got a new store that is affiliated with our website. We've added TikTok and uh, a lot more on social media, on Facebook, a brand new YouTube channel that's going to have a lot of video and some highlights to share with you. This is an opportunity that I see to do a lot of things that I have wanted to do for a very long time. And uh, I don't like to talk about me a lot, so that's about as much as I'm going to talk about me, other than thank you for all of your support and all of your help and all of the nice texts and emails and messages that I've gotten. And uh, let's go forward and get into telling some stories. That's what I love to do. I like to tell stories. I love to interview people. I love to talk to them about what makes them tick, what makes them work, the accomplishments in their lives. And that's what we're going to try to do on this show. And we'll do this two, three times a week. We'll start with a couple of times a week, about a half an hour each show, and let you hear from some of the people that are making news in the world of Western sports, not just rodeo, bull riding, the PBR, cutting, raining, rain cow horse, might even get into a little cowboy mounted shooting. I don't know where this show's going to go, but uh, it's going to be fun, and I'm glad that you've decided to share a small portion of the journey with us together. Coming up, Kirsten Vold is a rodeo stock contractor from one of the most legendary families, of course, in the world of professional rodeo. Her dad, Harry Vold, one of the most well-respected and well-revered and well-known rodeo stock contractors and many times stock contractor of the year. We'll get some thoughts from Kirsten about what makes her continue to want to be such an important part of this rodeo industry, her love of her horses, her love of her animals. We'll get into all of that coming up. Brittany Posey-Tanazi just set a record. She went over the $3 million mark in career earnings. Brittany is the third barrel racer in the WPRA to accomplish that milestone. Right after Sherry Servey and right after Lisa Lockhart, number one in the world standings right now. Brittany's got a great horse and is having a lot of great success. She won Reno for the first time this year. She won Calgary for the first time this year. She won Salt Lake City for the first time this year. And uh, we'll see what Brittany Posey-Tanazi has to say about the milestone of going over $3 million in career earnings. And thanks to my friend Ted Harbin from TwistedRodeo.com. Some comments from Dr. R.C. Trotter at the Dodge City Roundup, a Hall of Fame rodeo in Dodge City, Kansas. Doc Trotter is retiring this year from his leadership position. He will continue to volunteer with the rodeo after 20 years of being in charge at that rodeo in Dodge City. So those are some of the stories that we're going to talk about this afternoon on episode number one of the Steve Kenyon podcast. When we come back, Kirsten Vold will join us and we'll talk about what's going on with the Vold Rodeo Company and why she continues to love what she does. That's on the way. Thanks for joining us. Hey y'all, this is Cody Johnson. When I was starting out in music, most every radio station and venue I went to told me no. At that point, you got two options, tuck tail and quit or buckle down and fight. Well, I'm a fighter, not a quitter. And that's why I wear Wrangler jeans and shirts. Their toughness and style are legendary. They're an iconic symbol of the West and there's no quit in them either. Life's not about the destination, it's about the journey. And if I'm gonna enjoy the ride, I'm riding in Wrangler. Wrangler, long live Cowboys.
Episode number one of the Steve Kenyon Podcast coming to you from Castle Rock, Colorado and the Douglas County Fair and Rodeo, 105 years old. Uh, The folks here in Castle Rock over the last few years have done a tremendous job building this rodeo. They've been sold out every performance for the last four years and we are sold out every performance this year in Castle Rock, Colorado. Uh, $12,000 added in every event. That's a big jump in the prize money from when I started announcing the rodeo back in 2016. So I guess what I'm saying is it's been a lot of fun to watch and see this develop and to be a part of this rodeo in Castle Rock. Now, they kicked off the rodeo Thursday night with a special section, bareback riding, saddle bronc riding, and bull riding. And the stock contractors providing the livestock, Jerry Honeycutt, brought up a bunch of bulls from the Honeycut Rodeo Company, the Summit Pro Rodeo Company out of Wyoming, and Kirsten Vold and the Vold Rodeo Company provided a nice set of horses that bucked on Friday, uh, Thursday night and again on Friday night in Castle Rock. I had a chance to talk to Kirsten Vold and, in fact, thanked her for being my very first guest on my very first Steve Kenyon podcast. Well, I'm honored to be your very first guest on your very first podcast, so that works both ways. Um, Let's talk a little bit. We're in in Castle Rock, Colorado right now. This is a really busy time of year for you, isn't it? It is. You know, the summertime, we always say it'd be nice if people wanted to hire you throughout the year and spread it out a little bit. But, you know, all the fairs and rodeos and everything that all of us work are in the summertime, most of them. And so this is when, you know, you have to make hay when the hay is out. And that's, it is. It's a busy time, but it's kind of wrapping up. It's August and we slow down at the end of August and going into fall. So it's been a good summer. You're from here to Dodge City, right? No, no not, not from here to Dodge no, City, from here to... Steamboat this, I actually will leave this tonight and go to Steamboat this weekend. And we'll be back here again tomorrow night. We're kind of split up. And then in two weeks, we start Pueblo, the Colorado State Fair. Okay, got it. Let me... There are all kinds of different ways we can go with, with, with you. And I, I just went back and looked at the, the website of... of the Vold Rodeo Company and the Vold Rodeo family, because it is a family. Um, obviously, everybody knows the legacy, the history, the heritage of Harry Vold, and you've done such a fabulous job carrying that on. You started running the rodeo company when you were 25 years old. Yeah, I mean, uh, using that term loosely, the yeah. boss was still the boss. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he had put me in charge, so to speak, in his words, you know, I was the new, you know, I was the new whatever you want to call it. But there was some supervisory guidance on those decisions. And I'm going to honestly tell you that there's been supervisory decisions. As long as he was alive, there was supervisory. Now, we didn't always see eye to eye, and we, I learned to pick my battles. I'd give him a win whenever I thought it wasn't something worth fighting for, and he'd do the same to me. So it was a good partnership in that way. Yeah. Um, horses. We think of the Vold Rodeo Company, we think of great horses. I know how much you love horses. Um, If you read a little bit about you, you talk about the horses and and being involved in the animals. Is what kind of fuels your passion for this? And not kind of about it. It is 100%. I mean, I work with great people, and I know a lot. I've had great relationships throughout my life. And rodeo has paid for everything from my braces to my college education to the roof over my head. But the reason that I'm still in rodeo is for the horses. The evolution of bucking horses. You've had a chance to see it as up close and personal as anybody. I, if, if you go back and watch videos from 20 or 30 or 40 years ago, the great horses then probably would still be the great horses today. But there's sure a lot more of them now. Um, you, know, you, you look at some of those videos now and you say, wow, um, those don't look anything. You just got a lot more great horses out there today, don't we? You've, you've seen that evolution. Absolutely. And I think it's a good evolution. You know, I mean, everybody, a lot of people don't have the amounts of numbers. 
myself included, they used to be at the National Finals Rodeo, but there weren't as many horses to choose from, you know? And now there's so many great horses and they're just getting better all the time. And we've introduced AI, artificial insemination, and you've introduced, you know, people are trading studs. So you're you're bringing the best out of some one, one person's herd and, and putting with other people's herds. And, and there's so much more bloodlines being traded and it's such more of a business now than it was 20 years ago where somebody just had a spoiled saddle horse, brought it in yeah. and it, you know, came, I mean, it's just evolved so much that of course there's more to choose from, but what a great thing. It's always good when something improves. Yeah, exactly. So let me ask you about that because I see just in the names of some of your stock, there are a lot of other stock contractors where stallions and mares have gotten traded back and forth. Am I right in saying that, that are represented in your string now? Um, you know, I, I guess- or am I? Not as much, I guess. I, Frontier Rodeo has been very good to us right. and they send me a stud every year. And so, yes, in that sense um, that we traded back and forth. And, you know, we've done a little bit with other rodeos. Like I sold Painted Valley Seaman for several years. And so he's, his lineage is in several different rodeo companies. So, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, there's, I can't say that I have some from everybody's, but I have, I do predominantly have a lot of Frontier Bloodlines in ours. So let me ask you about two names you just mentioned, Painted Valley. Um, I read, I think on your website, 2009 horse of the finals 2010 horse of the year i think is the way the order that went and you said painted valley was maybe the one of your you felt like one of your families and one of your greatest accomplishments oh absolutely i would say you know i don't want to speak for everybody in my family but definitely for myself he was and and as far as our business goes he came along in a time that we so badly needed it you know we just it, it happens in rodeo business and bucking horses and you kind of get in a, a slump where you just the, the cross isn't right and you end up with a and, and the problem with bucking horses is they're so old by the time you get into them that they're five or six years old. So now you've got 30 colts on the ground, several years old, that you find out that that cross isn't really working. And we kind of found ourselves in that situation. And so um, he really brought us out of that. He was kind of, I say all the time, he was pennies from heaven because he just sort of dropped out of the sky. <laughs> and uh, he was an accident. You know, he was never supposed to really be. And he was an accident. And, and then he came along and, and he was, you know, dad, my, his, his uh, testicles didn't drop, and so the, my dad and my brother were trying to get me to cut him because they said, you know, you'll never breed him, and he'll just be like a, you know, a, a goof. And so I didn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, and he was like three years old before we finally both dropped, which is kind of unheard of. And for him to go on to, you know, for us to be able to charge for his breedings out of him and him to, you know, do the rodeo company as well as he has and bring us into a situation that we could survive in the, as you put it, that the way things are now, you know. So I'll forever be grateful to his contribution there. And he's got so many, there's so many horses on the ground right now with Valley in their name someplace that go back to him um, on your string and others. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, like now I'm bucking his grandkids and that's kind of crazy to yeah. me, you know, but, but I am. I, between his daughters that have had kids and his son's now a stud that we breed to and his his first crop of colts are now six-year-olds, so they were going on the road with me this year. I got two out tonight. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, it's continued. His, his gifts have continued. Let me ask you about, you made the comment about with horses, and I know we see it in the barrel horse business, but we don't have the dozens or hundreds or whatever number of bucking horses you have in your family. You, 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 a baby's born, and you don't know if it's going to buck until it's four or five years old. I don't know if you're putting dummies on them or doing things like that. Or um, there's, there is people would be shocked if they knew the mountain of investment you've got in these animals before you ever know whether or not you're going to have a bucking horse. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and it is. It's, it's very disheartening to feed them for you know. Basically, my plan right now, or 
the program that I'm running now is I don't usually buck them at all until they're five. They're yeah. coming into turning five that year, and then I'll put a person on. And we've done a lot of shoot work with them and stuff. I've gone away from the dummies. I wasn't able to really find out for me what I was wanting to find out. So we don't really buck. I don't buck them at all until they're five or six, depending on their size. If they're smaller, I've got some that are six years old that haven't been bucked yet. And then... And that's it. You fed them the whole time, and you just hope for the best. You know, I mean, you follow genetics. We follow our, I follow my genetics very closely, and there's really no accidents, so to speak, that aren't bloodlines that you think should buck, but that doesn't mean it always does. You mentioned Frontier Rodeo Company. I've done five or six interviews with Jerry Nelson in my life, and a lot of them talking about either a stock contractor of the year award or a great horse like Medicine Woman or somebody like that. And the first thing he always says, Harry Bold sold me a bunch of those Custer mares. Um, your family, your dad, helped to get a lot of other guys started, I think, didn't he? Yes, he did. And, you know, and everybody, I'll say one thing about the rodeo business. They've been very loyal to him, yeah. um, you know, between Jerry Nelson and Dave Moorhead. I mean, they're always very quick to credit his contribution to the herd. And I appreciate that because sometimes people's memories get, you know, all of a sudden they're like, oh, no, I did this all by myself and everything. And, and none of them have ever done that. And I appreciate that. That's very honorable. Yeah, none of us have ever done anything like that by themselves. When you were growing up, when you were a kid, was there was, was a lot of time spent listening to Harry Bold stories? I mean, there got to be. I, he was he was such a great storyteller. He had such a gift for gab. You had to have have from time to time thought, okay, I've heard this one before, Dad. But I mean, tell me about that about that part of your life. Oh yeah, he was a great storyteller, and you know, there I was as a child and, and growing up as an adult. I was accustomed to whenever people would find out who my dad was, they'd be like, oh, you know, Gray, Harry's a great guy and and this and that. And, and I have a story on him one time. There's, there, I was going to the vet in, a, in my horse trailer and, you know, all, we live 20 miles from town on a gravel road, majority of it's gravel road. And, and I'm not going to lie, you click across there pretty quick when you drive so many times. And I'm going across there and I come up over this hill where there's never any cops or nothing. And this cop just comes out of nowhere, pulls me over. And he walks up to me and he looks at the back of the trailer, says, Bull Rodeo, he goes, he said, how are you related to Harry? And I said, oh, he's my dad. And, you know, he goes, oh, he said, I said, he goes, oh, I know Harry. So here's the part where I'm like waiting for him to say, oh, he's a great guy. Yeah. He's a legend. Yeah. He's something wonderful. He goes, I pull him over all the time, he says. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. I said, funny, he's never mentioned that part. Well, and so... I uh, see it at dinner that night. I was like, yeah. I said, I met a friend of yours today. He's like, oh, who's that? I said, yeah, a cop. I said, he pulled me over. He said, he pulls you over all the time. He goes, was he sitting on that 36 lane? Yeah. He said, uh, he goes, he sits up there, and I don't know why. He says. Because well, he can find somebody to bold in a bull truck. Exactly. I was going to say, probably because we're making his quota would be my guess. That sounds like it. Um, you know, I did an interview with, with you. I told you before we started this. I did an interview with your dad some years ago and he didn't know me from Adam I think we were in Cheyenne and I can't find 45 minutes of Harry Vold telling stories talking about when he started driving horses from rodeo to rodeo and things like or putting them on the train and man I wish I could find that thing I mean there's there's so many there's a lot of history in that there is but you're gonna have to do the same thing I do is that you know everybody wants to everybody wants something tangible to be able to hang on to memories and and to me, I don't really, like, I don't visit his grave. I don't do a lot of that stuff. He's with me everywhere I go. Yep. He's with me when I'm in the pasture gathering horses. He's with me when I'm sore, and he's with me here tonight. And that's what you got to do with the memories. The memories you have, you, you remember that interview. It's still stuck in your head all these years later. And it was great stories, and you're sorry you don't have the tangible, but you got it in your head. And that's the most important thing is you can take it with you wherever you go as long as it's there. Um, 
Let me ask you a final question. This, our industry, I think, and you've seen it from a different perspective, I think this whole Western way of life of ours right now is exploding. Yes. Am is. I right in saying I don't think it's Yellowstone. I don't, I don't know what it is. I, maybe as people love our family values and the way that we approach things, I think our industry is exploding right now. No, I agree with that. I mean, I think we've seen it with the crowds this year. Our rodeos are growing. You rarely see an empty audience unless the weather's terrible. You know, tickets are, we went into Prescott, eight performances completely sold out before we ever rolled a wheel into town. I mean, you know, that's 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 a great thing. And, and I do believe that, you know, I don't want to underestimate, I think Tombstone was a great thing to cross over and bring people to perhaps our lifestyle that weren't normally interested in it and it gave it a little bit of flair and interest and now they're kind of hooked and they see you know and yeah. like you say we have great values you have patriotic cowboys i think that some of the professional sports have let their fan base down with some of their values so i think when you do that then people are drawn to where they can see you know somebody look everybody needs a hero and there's a lot of heroes in rodeo kirsten vold of the vold rodeo company kirsten's dad harry vold actually is a native of canada started auctioneering when he was 15 years old grew up in an area called asker alberta canada and along with his brothers built the asker stampede grounds and held the first rodeo there in 1944 by 1948 he put together a small bunch of bucking horses got involved in rodeo in the united states in 1960 purchased a large ranch southeast of Pueblo, Colorado in 1968 and formed the Harry Vold Rodeo Company in 1970. And as they say, the rest is history. Thank you to Kirsten Vold for joining us on the Steve Kenyon Podcast. A milestone for Brittany Posey Tanazi. The world champion barrel racer, the 16-time national finalist, and now a $3 million money winner in the Women's Professional Rodeo Association. She went over the $3 million mark when she won the rodeo in Salt Lake City at the end of July. Brittany Posey-Tanazi gave us a few minutes to talk about this milestone year in 2023. It's seen her win the Reno Rodeo for the first time, the Calgary Stampede for the first time, win her first gold medal in Salt Lake City. Here's what Brittany Posey-Tanazi had to say about all of that. <laughs> for sure. You know, actually, it started in Odessa. I kind of forgot about that. I won Odessa. I'd never won that one before. And, um, you know, I just really have to thank the, the Busbys for allowing me to ride their great horses. Um, I won Odessa on Pickles, and then I won these uh, three recent ones on their horse, Benny. And um, it's just it's just so cool to have friends like that and to um, have just the whole team behind me. And, and we've just had a, a great summer. You made a comment in your interview with Janie Johnson in Salt Lake City the other night. And I forget your exact words, but it was something like, with Benny, it's almost starting to feel Duke-like, referencing your great Palomino Duke that you, you won so much on. Um, yes. Is he similar to Duke when you're riding? What, what, all the well, great horses when, I'm, when I meant that, I meant just the, the winning streak and the, the heart and not necessarily the style of the horse, but just how, how it's playing out. Yeah. And, um, he he just I, I feel that greatness that Duke had and and he's he's obviously proving it and it's it's so cool to I never thought I'd get that opportunity again and, and it's really cool to be able to have that right now. Brittany, I want to ask you to go back um, 17 years. You're about to go to your 17th Wrangler National Finals rodeo. You've had a two decades long career in, in the WPRA. You'll be in the Hall of Fame someday. Um, 
if I'd have told you 20 years ago that this was what was ahead of ahead for you, would you have believed me? Well, I was a pretty cocky 19-year-old, so I probably would have said yes. <laughs> well, but, okay, so would you have said at 19, would you have said, yeah, and I'm going to do more than that? I probably would have. I probably would have. But uh, the older I've gotten, oh, i got to turn my GPS off. Hold on one second. Okay, I got it. Uh, the older I've gotten to realize, the harder I've realized it is to do what I've done. But, yeah, when I was 19, I'd been like, sure, I'll go as many times as I want. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the attitude you kind of have to have, though, to be successful. I think you've got to be a little bit cocky in this business. How many great horses have you ridden? Have you have you sat down and, and, and gone through? Oh, God. I mean, I, I talk about Duke and I talk about Benny, but there have been a lot well, you know, and everybody kind of forgets about Stitch. You know, it's funny. Garrett and I were talking about it the other day. We were like, man, as much as that horse won, nobody talks about him. And, you know, it started It started there. And, and it started really started with Leroy. Um, he was a great horse. He was just 16 when I got the opportunity to, to start rodeoing on him. But, um, you know, I mean, to take me to number one in the world in my first rookie year, I mean, that was just – it was just incredible. Um, and now you've got Benny. How much will he run the rest of the year? Will you, I mean, will he get the, what, what's your plan with him going forward? With Benny? Yeah. Uh, you know, my plan is to finish out the year on him, and then I'm sure uh, Andrea will get back on him and, and run him some. And, you know, I might take one of her other ones, and we just we just been switching around. Yeah. Uh, it's been fun. Brittany Posey-Tanazi joins us. She just went over $3 million in her career in the Women's Professional Rodeo Association. There are now three $3 million cowgirls in the WPRA. You're in pretty unique company. Um, Sherry Servey, Lisa Lockhart, now Brittany Posey-Tanazi. You and I talked about Sherry before we started this interview, Brittany, and I hope you don't mind if I bring this up, but you made a comment to me before we started this. Sherry kind of did it the hard way. In her 19 trips to the NFR and her four world titles, there wasn't as much money available as there is now. No, it, it, it is incredible what Sherry's accomplished. And, and those, that will never be, you know, that that will never be matched as far as the time of the time she did it in and the and the horses and the fact that she did it when, you know, rounds paid, what, 10000 at the NFR, you know? And, I mean, we're – we're double, we've got double the money now. And, you know, we've got Houston and Calgary and rodeos like Salt Lake. And um, the money is just getting better, which thank goodness it is. You know, some, it, it's really hard to make a living in the rodeo world and, and, and it's making it a little bit easier. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's incredible what Sherry, Sherry did, especially in the, in the time, the time that she did it in and starting back when, Rodeos paid a thousand dollars, big ones. Yeah, yeah, seventeen thousand six hundred eighty-eight dollars the other night in Salt Lake City. Um, in addition to a gold medal in that first title, that's what pushed you over the top of the three million dollar threshold. Um, take me back to the last six weeks, winning Reno for the first time. You told um, Janie, I think, or Amy, I forget who we had there, but when you did the interview at that rodeo, you talked about how Reno kind of got you started in terms of always being there for you and having been second a bunch of times, you worded it better than I am right now. 
Um, <laughs> Reno has always meant a lot to you. You just never won it until this year. Yeah. Well, actually, I did win Reno when it was a champion's challenge. Oh, Nobody remembers right. that. I'm, I'm really dating myself right here, but, uh, you know, I mean, it still wasn't winning Reno, you know, wasn't winning the, the, the silver spurs. And, and I had my, my breakout year in 20 or 2003. Um, I won third there in the average and, uh, I just always had loved that rodeo and had a lot of success, but like I said, never, never clinched the silver spurs. Calgary. What was that like? Oh, my gosh. I mean, winning Reno was fun, but Calgary, it, there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of love put into that win just because, um, you know, when I got there in the beginning of my pool, Heidi calls me and she's like, Brittany, you have got to go help them fix the ground. And, and it was it was questionable. You know, I was, I was scared to death for Donna Kay and what happened to her and. You know, it's always been questioned. The ground has always been been hard to manage at Calgary, because just because of the chuck wagons and it, anytime there's chucks involved, it's just it's just difficult. And um, I got there, and those guys they were they were beat down. They were they were needing some help, and and we were out there for hours every morning before the rodeo. We were out there after the rodeo. We were there an hour before the rodeo started. I mean. We worked so hard on that ground, so it was it was fun to that I put so much work into trying to you know make it good for everybody, and and so that made it just a little bit sweeter. Plus, it's just really cool that there's so many rodeo fans there, so many people to see the rodeo. The whole committee is just ecstatic for the contestants, and and it is just it's just a, a vibe that you can't recreate at any other place. And then Salt Lake City. Salt Lake City looked to me. I was communicating back and forth with Scott Grover and Anthony Lucia, who were announcing the rodeo. It looked to me like that place was loud and electric, was it? It was. It was very loud and electric. And um, they have a cool drone show, and they had a really awesome grand entry. And uh, they they put a lot of hard work into that rodeo, and um, it definitely shows. Last question, and I, and I so appreciate your time, Brittany. Um You've talked a lot about having your daughter with you. Um, your husband, Garrett, is a great cowboy, a great roper. You've got – tell me about what you are doing as much as you want to outside of the rodeo arena in terms of being in the horse business, the barrel horse business, the horse training business. The, I mean, you have, you have found avenues to really expand and excel, ex, excel in your lifestyle outside of the rodeo arena, I think. Haven't you at this point in your life? <laughs> yes. A very smart man, which is my veterinarian, has always, Dr. Tanner, he has always told me the way to make money in the horse business is to have your finger in all of it. And so that's kind of how I've modeled my my career and, and my businesses, trying to, you know, when the rodeo thing isn't going good, have good futurity horses. When you've got a good rodeo uh, horse, maybe back off the security horses. You know, I started the equine rehab. Um, we've just, we've been uh, fortunate with, you know, Streak and Six Babe, our, our broodmare that has just uh, had multiple NFR horses for us, you know, so we've, we've always, we've always just been 
keep our finger in every part of the business. And, you know, now with the rope horse fraternities, Garrett's really getting into that. Yeah. We're starting to breed some rope horses and then we have our stallion and we have some new stallions coming up. And, uh, you know, we, we're, we're just trying to, to do all we can and just compete in the business. And, you know, everybody strives to be the best. So that, that's where we're at. Okay, I lied. This is really the last question, I promise. Okay. Um, your relationship with the Busbys. Um, you've been traveling with Andrea Busby on and off for a long time. Uh, the yeah. Busby Quarter Horse family owns that horse, Benny, that you've had such good luck on. Talk a little bit about how important they've been. Oh, I mean, they've been everything to me this year. Um, you know, they've they uh, we all sat down at the beginning of the year and talked about our goals and you know, Andrea's goal was to, to try to make NFR, and um, I was there to kind of help season and get horses ready, and and I told them, you know, I knew that Birdie wasn't going to be able to handle a full year like she did last year, and um, she's 12 now, and um, so we've just kind of been going back and forth, and, and it, Andrea's had a little bit of a, a rough year just with some poor soundness issues and then she had an accident a pretty bad accident at woodward so um we're uh we may have to push her goal of making nfr to next year but um i'll be here to help and you know it's just they have been amazing through thick and thin when anything happens they're right there and you know it's it, it's been an awesome friendship and you know it's it's more of a friendship than it is a business relationship and um it's it, i have fun we have fun we have a great time together and um it's just really been a cool experience was there a rodeo i for, maybe salt lake city maybe i forget um but one of the rodeos that i swear i heard you in a post rodeo post one win interview talk about the Busbys had multiple horses or Benny had some siblings that had done well or something. Does that ring a bell or am I completely out? Uh, yes. I think he's got like three other siblings that have over a hundred thousand. Wow. Uh, so yeah. Uh, you know, their, their breeding program is amazing. They've, they've worked really hard to, to cross the best mares on, on Blazing Jetalina and it's really shown. And uh, I mean, Joey said, you know, their, their slogan is we're raising your future. And, and they've done that for multiple people right now. You know, we have famous ladies, man, that Cassie has and Rolo that Jordan has, they've all bred those horses. And, and it's, it's pretty incredible. The, what they have done in the industry. Pro Rodeo's newest $3 million money winner, barrel racer Brittany Posey-Tanazi, two-time world champion from Texas. And uh, Brittany, number one right now in the Women's Professional Rodeo Association's world standings. You know, it's been a while since she's won a world title. She is very much a contender in 2023. We're going to take a timeout. Come back. You'll hear a few comments from Dr. R.C. Trotter. He is leaving the leadership position that he's held for 20 years at the Dodge City Roundup in Dodge City, Kansas. We'll still be involved with the rodeo. We'll tell you about that courtesy of Ted Harbin and TwistedRodeo.com coming up. New styles join our time-tested Justin Bent Rail collection. Like the rugged men and women who wear them, these boots stand for quality, integrity, tradition, and hard work. Straight from our legendary El Paso factory, our expert bootmakers build these boots with features that would make even the earliest cowboys proud. Outfit yourself today 
with a bent rail collection by Justin. This is episode number one of the Steve Kenyon Podcast. A big thank you to Andrea Crenshaw and the Rodeo Spot Marketing Company for designing our new 8 Seconds Media website. I hope you'll check that out. We've got an online store. You can find it on our Facebook and social media sites. Uh, but we've got some really nice ball caps and T-shirts if you'd like to take a look. We're going to be adding merchandise as the year goes along to that online store. And a big thank you to the Justin Boot Company, to Wrangler, to Prefert Manufacturing, to our newest sponsor, Resistall, and to the Grandview at Las Vegas. You're looking for a place to stay during the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo? Check them out at DailyManagementResorts.com. Dodge City Roundup Rodeo, Dodge City, Kansas, is a Hall of Fame rodeo. One of the newest rodeos, really, in the PRCA. One of the youngest rodeos to be inducted into the Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame. Dr. R.C. Trotter has been the man in charge in Dodge City for the last 20 years. Ted Harbin of TwistedRodeo.com talked to Dr. Trotter as he gets ready to step down from his leadership position. It's just I thought 20 was a nice round number. I thought, you know, let's do it now. And while we've got some great people behind me and they're with me and we've been working together and so I thought now's the time to step down and they can take over and I'm more than willing to help out. I'll, I'll give them a zip drive of everything I have, but, but no, I'll help them out because I like to do interviews and like to do TV and you know that. So anything I can do to help them out. So it'll be better than when I got it when my president just walked out and said, here it is. The rodeo in Dodge City started in 1977. It was just in its 35th year when it was inducted into the Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame in 2012, Dr. Trotter's ninth year as the president of the Dodge City Roundup. Ted Harbin asked him about that. Yes, and that, that just, you know, that was just a most amazing thing to do, to be out there and be accepting that on the behalf of the committee and the community, and especially because I'd only, like I said, only been president for nine years, so it really wasn't what I'd done. It's what had been done before me that made it that way. So that's, that's one of the things I talk to people about. 35 years we were in the Hall of Fame, and that's just an awesome, awesome thing to see happen around here. And speaking of Hall of Fames, I had the great honor here just back two years ago getting inducted into Kansas Cowboy Hall of Fame because of what we've been doing in tourism. And nice thing I was still alive. A lot of the guys, it was posthumously so my family could actually come and see that. So that was just a lot of fun to be out there. And, and you know, we'd been to the Hall of Fame before when we went to Colorado. So now I was there for a different purpose. Thank you to Ted Harbin and TwistedRodeo.com. A lot of good stories about the world of professional rodeo on Ted's website, TwistedRodeo.com. Well, I hope you enjoyed it. That is episode number one of We Hope Will Be Many of the Steve Kenyon Podcast. We will do this uh, later this week. We'll try to do it once or twice a week for a while as we get started, get our feet underneath us. Thank you for joining us. I'm Steve Kenyon. God bless you.